after further review as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Ooh, welcome back to 88.3 WGTs. After further review, just got done with Frank's rant. Seemed like the fans all left us off of our live feed. Uh, hopefully they enjoyed it. 40 minutes of Frank's rant that you can hear on SoundCloud and on iTunes. I try to get up as soon as possible and uh, make sure you travel there. Now, we got David the Man and God Harris on the phone lines. We're talking a little bit about youth basketball, finally. Um, and there was an article out about the NBA where, you know, these there's people playing, these kids are playing youth basketball at an early age, a lot of games, which, to be honest with you, I thought about it. It's not really a lot of, well, maybe on the EYBL circuit, uh, the, the, the games are a little bit structured differently for the tournaments during the weekends. But uh, now it's being, I guess they're doing research showing that some of these kids are probably breaking down a little bit more earlier, which makes sense. You start playing at third or fourth grade and play all the way up. Eventually, by the time you get to your early to mid-20s, you might be breaking down a little bit. But then David just wanted to put his input on it. And what did you think about the article? I thought it was a really good article. Very long, but pretty decent article. Yeah, and I think kind of for the diehard basketball fan, it does enlighten a little bit, especially knowing kind of, like with the summer league, Zion Williamson having the energy in the first game. Think about Julius Randle a couple of seasons ago, his rookie year, going down with a major injury, first uh, NBA regular season game. And so I was just kind of looking at the article and thinking about you have kind of according to this article, you have players playing, you know, the normal summer circuit. They have like a fall league kind of, and the winter league, and then spring. And just thinking about how much basketball that they're playing without a break, and you say, you know, figure third grade to twelfth grade. I mean, you can get up there, you know, seven hundred, eight hundred basketball games. Well, that's even before you think about. But they also mentioned too in the article that it it also is kind of down to specialization too. They said it's probably better to play other sports because you work other muscles. Basically, what they were saying is. Some of the kids are just being overworked. If if they just specialize in basketball, some of the people, some of the players that played other sports though, didn't break down as much. And I and I can actually see that. You, you're right. It, it is. There, I have kind of noticed where you know kids are getting knee injuries that normally maybe veterans in the league would get knee injuries. Like I'm not. I wasn't surprised when Derrick Rose started having knee problems because he was having knee problems at Memphis, and I said. Eh. This guy probably have knee problems in his career. Now, did I think they'd be this severe? Eh, not really, but I wasn't surprised that he started having ACL problems and meniscus problems when he did in his career. Yeah, and I think kind of that's the dichotomy of kind of whether, and kind of my teaser, whether if you should play all year round to get to the league instead of playing multiple sports. Because for a lot of these scouts, it's, you, know, you go to all these tournaments, all these all-star games, because that's where the scouts are. That's where the kind of the NBA odds are. The you know future of the NBA kind of they're looking for that next talent. But then you have a lot of these kids that are thinking basketball, 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 
and they've kind of got it like, hey, I want to hold in this craft and, you know, all these other sports, that's okay, but that's not going to get me to the NBA. Well, after doing a there, there has to be a few reality checks for some of these kids. There's only a small percentage of kids, for one, that are even going to go D1. And then you got the 1% of those guys actually going to NBA. So a lot of people think, well, there's all these all-star camps and all this stuff. And that. Not really. I mean, there's, 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 it's a bit, for one, one problem in youth sports, it's all about money. It's a money grab. And there's a lot of people out here that put on these tournaments that, they're not really legit. I mean, it's just basically getting a bunch of kids together and they're trying to play basketball. <laughs> I, I'm going to be real honest with you. After doing this this year of of, of actual, uh, I guess, summer travel ball, now with the new NCAA rules where the coaches get limited you know, access to see you, there's only, unless you're on a shoe team and you're on the shoe circuit, um, there's only a few events that you could go to where you can actually get looked at. Um, last week, obviously, I was in Columbus, and I did the uh, the night uh, summer championships. Um, there was coaches there, D2, D3 coaches, obviously. All Ohio Red was there, which is one of the elite teams here in Ohio. They didn't even have their D1 recruits, because you got to remember, they were in Peach Jam event a week earlier, which was a live period for Division One. So their Division One guys didn't play that weekend, basically. A few guys did if they had a, a few small school offers from Division One, but most of the other guys, uh, their second unit played over the weekend. And then the other event that I went to was Spice, which was the first weekend of May, which is at the Spice Fieldhouse up in Fort Wayne. And that's another event that has a lot of D2, D3 uh, college coaches in AIA. And that was after a week after the April period, I believe. So... There's only so many live periods for kids to get watched. Um, you got to go to showcases. But the thing about it is the only way you're going to get found is if you get seen. But I, I really think, though, there's so many teams now, and I understand people want to play the game of basketball. It is, it's a great sport, and I love that it's growing. But to put a kid in physical harm's way for a dream that, it's almost impossible. is is scary. Yeah, and kind of looking at some of the teams that that are part of that kind of Nike EYBL, like like I don't want to blame Nike as like kind of contributing to this, but they're the ones that are you know sending all the marketing opportunities. Hey, you can get you on TV for all these small tournaments because that's when you know you get the publicity that's how you can well i wouldn't call i wouldn't call under armor eybl or the adidas gauntlet small tournaments those are the real deal holyfield players those will be your future that you're gonna be watching on tv and they're the one percenters and i and i think personally if you're on an adidas gauntlet team if you're with the uaa um, and then you're also uh, with the Nike EYBL. Those are those are Division One college players, and, and you get a good wake up call, and you see why they're on that circuit. Now those tournaments, I mean, I mean, it's kind of like round robin play. I um, mean, you're going over, and you're probably playing at most five games. But that's what a lot of teams play anyway during the weekend. I mean, if you go to a regular tournament, independent you know, tournament or maybe the space where, you know, you get the lower level coaches, you're probably, depending on the pool, you're going to get three games of pool play 
and then you play in the tournament. Or there's some tournaments where you get two games of pool play in a tournament game. So you're getting three to four games a weekend, which if you really think about it, is not really a lot. To be honest, yeah, it's, it, it's not. If you're playing three I, games a weekend, I mean, how many games of pickup or how many hours are the kids going to be playing if they go to the local rec center to work on their game? So if you really think about it, that's not that many games. Yeah, you're, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. I mean, I I kind of come more from – I am I know I'm coming more from a bit of a baseball perspective here because, I mean, I've worked some a couple of youth tournaments where they have three games of pool play on, on a Saturday, and then you got to turn around and – play the tournament on Sunday which again that I feel, I don't and I understand you're trying to improve your game get better but I know there you got to worry about how many pitches are you throwing in a day and then you got to have so many days of rest and blah 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 so I mean the, I mean three three games of basketball in one day hey I mean the way you the way you put it Derek it's not it doesn't seem like that much I mean I would like to Actually, have someone join us on the had. Well, he's not there anymore. Dallas Bolster, our starting point guard at Dundee. He, I, I'd, I'd like to ask him how many, uh, you, how many games he would play a day when he was playing it. When he would play AAU ball when he was younger. It's usually in most tournaments. You're usually playing pool play. Whether it and, yeah. and sometimes depending on the tournament, it could be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday tournament. So basically on Friday you can get a game in. If it's a bigger tournament, like for instance the Spies and the Nike Summer Championships where there's just a buttload of teams in it, you're playing on Friday night. Especially the the Spies, since it's still during the school year, the kids got to go to school. So you're coming in and you're coming in on a Friday night, you're getting a game in. And then on Saturday you're playing two games early in the morning. And then on Saturday night they start to do bracket play. So you'll be either done late Saturday night. If you keep winning and you're one of the more elite teams, you move on to Sunday. Last week for us, since school wasn't in session, I thought it was a little bit of an inconvenience. Even though the kids are out of school, I mean, parents still have to work. We had games at 1 o'clock on Friday and 3 o'clock on Friday, and then we were done. So you had the whole day to yourself in Columbus, which some of, some of my team, they went to the Easton Mall. I mean, we were at Ohio Dominican University. We skipped on over to Easton Mall. They checked out the mall and everything. Um, the ninth grade team played a little bit later, uh, watched them play a little bit. And then on Saturday, we played one game at 11 o'clock for the finish of the pool play and didn't play again until 8 o'clock. Um, because one of the obviously we were supposed to play at seven, but one of the courts had an air conditioner leaking on it, so they pushed the game back a little bit to, to clean all that out, and we were done. I mean, and our ninth grade team they had a game at ten o'clock, and they lost, and they were done. So we were on Friday, Saturday, but then the teams that came back for bracket play had to play on Sunday at nine and noon if you keep winning. So all in all, think about it: you played your three pool games, a tournament game. At most on the weekend, all like all Ohio Red won the platinum bracket or the gold championship, I think, and uh, they ended up only playing six games out of a three day span. That's only two games a day. Yeah, and I mean, in kind of in the Baxter Holmes article, they described kind of Zion Williamson, kind of in kind of his typical summer where it would be you know four to six games, and then during the week during the summers he would train practice. And, and then, you know, everything with the summer youth basketball, and because he was a part of a very prominent AAU team, he would travel, you know, across the country, Las Vegas, then back home for the week, and then back out to the West Coast and kind of talking about the just the physical fatigue of the travel alongside the basketball 
And then knowing that in high school basketball, you know, late September, early October, boom, you're starting the season. So kind of how much rest do you really get if you're kind of thinking about the circuit and well, kind you, of if you, you want you, to specialize in basketball? Well, you can always say no. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You could say, you know, I'm going to sit out this tournament. You know, I know I understand the college culture is going to be there. And the, the, the thing that people have to realize, the college coach likes you. If you miss a tournament, they're still going to be on you. I mean, and then you also got to get the, the, the situation with the offer situation. You know, a lot of kids are saying, I'm getting an offer, I'm getting an offer. But is it really truly an offer? You know, there's some college coaches that go out there and they just offer offers like candy because they know that not every kid's going to commit to them. So if I, I pull out all these offers, if I give out 10 to 15 offers, I have to get at least one or two kids from my recruiting class of that year. Now, some coaches, you know, they hold offers and say, you know, hey, I'm here really for you, and my offers are precious. Um, I mean, because, you know, CBS Sports just did an article about college coaches, a guy sitting in with college coaches actually had during a live period at Peach Jam, and, you know, that's the way it is. Um, but like I said, if if the if the kid is fatigued or he's injured, and, I, you know, I've seen there was a Netflix episode where um, – the, the former point guard at uh, Arizona, um, Cart Cart, what was his name? He had he had a hyphen last name. Cart Jackson Cartwright. Yes, Jackson Cartwright. They had. A, I rem- I think I remember him. Yeah, he he just graduated not this past season, but the year before, and he I, I really think his dad you know knew all the plugs and knew where to go, knew what the tournaments to do. But during the Netflix special, and I forget the name of it, Jackson Cartwright at one point was like a really highly ranked point guard. He got hurt and it was a bad foot injury, and I think it lingered with them through Arizona. But his dad was forcing him to play because the dad's theory was, well, if you're hurt and you're not here on this circuit, then you can't be seen and you're forgotten about. I really think it kind of hurt him in recruitment because he was hurt. Not only did you damage your foot, but you looked bad out there. It, you know what I'm saying? You went out there injured and you're getting sauced up. Not not a good. Sometimes you know, coaches be like, eh, I don't know if he's good as is advertised. Now, some coaches, as they mentioned in the CBS article, some coaches just want the guy to play bad so that they, you know, no one gets on them, or hopefully the guy plays bad enough so he can drop to a mid major. You know, it's all type of theories like that. But at the same time, he had this foot injury, and even when the trainers in the in the film told him, dude, it might be a good idea for you to maybe sit out a couple weeks and let that foot heal. But the dad just kept pushing him and he was traveling across the country to do all this stuff. And and the kid was getting frustrated because he kept re-injuring himself. And when he got to Arizona, I mean, yeah, you got the D1, you got the Arizona, but I think that foot was a problem for him throughout his career. So, you know, you, you, you want to sit there and blame Nike and you want to blame Adidas and you want to blame Under Armour. Sometimes it's the overzealous parents that you need to be pointing the finger at. Oh, yeah, and I agree, because I think a lot of the parents, kind of when they hear those from the scouts and coaches, like, your kid can be the next biggest, you know, so-and-so at whatever D1 school, they get this mentality of, okay, you got to work out, you got to train around the clock, you know, no pain, no gain, you know, thinking about the, the money at the end of the road rather than investing in your kid early, okay, 
sit out a little bit, rest your body, so that by the time you get to the league, if you do happen to be part of that 1%, you can actually be productive in the league and have a lengthy career. And so you're not kind of having foot injuries or getting all these kind of catastrophic injuries because you've just been kind of working out going 100 miles an hour from the time, you know, middle school, high school, and then thinking about the marketing of, oh, my kid's going to be in the All-America game or the Nike game, like, and all the publicity. So I, I think there's blame definitely on the parents as well that kind of push some of their kids to kind of kill their bodies and sacrifice for that contract that may or may not happen. Well, the thing is, you, you hit the head and you kind of mentioned, I don't know if you kind of made a point and I realize it. The parents, what, what money? Of guaranteed money and money and this scholarship and that scholarship and it's only D one or bust and you know parents just don't parents just don't get it. First of all, if you're a kid and you're playing this game of basketball, just be ecstatic that any level is offering you. There's, there's also this thing misconception where it's got to be a certain level or they won't take you know they won't take the offer. They look up you know they look down on it like oh D two got to be Duke. Right. And it's like, think about it. Basketball is a numbers game. There's only so many uh, spots on the team, and every year they always have to recruit to reload. So one year you could be the man. The next year if they bring in a guy that's better than you, you're going to probably have to play a role of bench player or a transfer. And like I said, I don't really, at this point, I think that it's just resources. I think Nike... And Under Armour and, and Adidas offer resources, and the kids and the parents can decide to use it. But if you want to just be pushing your kid to the limits, and, and trust me, I, I will tell you this right now. This is how competitive is it. These kids are so physically advanced than when I was a kid in high school. The stuff that they're doing now. But parents are training these kids. Either they're getting a skills coach they're getting a, a, a body, a, you know, a body enhancement coach. And I tell you this, man, I go to these tournaments and I don't I can't separate the grown men from the kids. If they're if the kid's not wearing a jersey, he's got on regular clothes. I could swear to guys, some of these guys are grown men. I mean, literally, these guys are stacked and built like they didn't been in the weight room throwing weights around for a good five years. Like, it, it is really scary, some well, of the stuff that I see at some of these tournaments. Like, wait a minute, how old are you again, man? Only 15. Well, here, well, here, here, well, Derek, when you mentioned a body coach. Is this like someone that they bring in privately, like as a personal trainer? Because, well, because we do have those types of coaches kind of in my area. Um, John Carabino, a good friend of mine, he runs Level Up Training out mm-hmm. of Monroe. And he, I mean, he works. B he, Rabbit works up there. Yeah, Rabbit works up there as well. I mean, and you know, John actually does a phenomenal job helping develop these kids and help getting them ready to kind of play, take their game to another level. I mean, it's I think he's just trying to help them get better as well. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, not, I'm not I'm not saying that that that's not that, but then again, look how much strain you're putting on the kids. I mean, yeah, the kids John. are still the kids are still developing and they and and there's people though, I will say this, there's guys out there like John that probably are doing it the proper way. He, oh, he every, is for sure. Well, for for every John 
how many do we know that are maybe five or six that are doing it all on the street and you know they don't have the money uh, yeah, and the means uh, to do it they just pushing the kid like yeah. you know go take this bag yeah. of water and put it on your back and run up the Exa- hill you know, exactly there 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 is a right way and a wrong way to do it i mean if again i mean kind of a shameless plug i mean anyone listening to this if you have a have a you know of an athlete who's looking to get better and take their game to another level go Go see my friend John at Level Up Training up in Monroe, Michigan. Okay, I mean, yeah, yeah like I said, and 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 it, and it's sad, and, and, but there's some parents out there that they're, they're unrealistic. I, I think there's, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I laugh at this because you you have to see it in person to realize how specially talented some of these kids are. And, you know, people have hopes and dreams. And I, I always say go for your dreams and, and you know, you could kind of accomplish anything. I don't. The only thing I don't like about youth basketball is that, unfortunately, especially on the boy side, I don't know really about the girl side, the maturity levels and how kids mature. Pretty much the kid that has the man's body early is going to be the early recruit. Whereas later on, the kid that might mature through college might be the better fit for some of these schools. But you, you don't know that. And plus, you don't want to play that risk game either. Um, but some of the stuff, I just, I just, I just, I just looked, I'm like, you know, I pulled it, I put it on one of my feeds. Like, what are they feeding these kids? I mean, dudes were, we just saw it now. A kid just did a dunk where he put it under both legs and dunked it. I think it was on Moody Elite up in Vegas or look at LeBron's son. He's about to be posterizing people. I actually watched the blue chips eighth grade team on ball is life. And I would tell you, I, they had at least a highlight of six or seven dunks in one game. I mean, they, I think they beat the team. They ended up beating the team like 93 to 15. Uh, Cup, the, the, the white kid that was shooting with LeBron, his dad coaches at Centerville down in, by the Cincinnati Dayton area. And they're actually a pretty good team. He's going to be an incoming freshman. And even he's getting up and getting dunks. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just amazing. I remember when I was in eighth grade, you could probably, you really could count on one hand, probably in the Northwest Ohio, of kids that can actually dunk, literally, and dunk in a game. And I mean, dunk flush. And then you got some of these eighth graders that are basically bouncing the ball off the floor, off the, then it hit the backboard and going in two hand or doing a windmill. And this is only in eighth grade. Eighth grade kids looking like grown men. <laughs> there was, it, I mean, it's, look, it's I'll, scary. Be, I'll be honest with you. There was probably. There was only one kid I saw who dunked when he was in eighth grade, and that was Nick Job when he was at Ida. And this was like, and he ended he ended up being an all stater. Two years went on to play at Lake Superior State. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was probably one, one of the better basketball players I've seen. I mean, I mean that's the only one who I've seen being able to actually dunk in eighth grade. And it was I mean, probably, the only, the only no, it was probably, probably a baby dunk. Oh, he could, he had some hops to him though. I mean, he's, you know, he's barely getting over the rim. I'm talking about these are guys that are coming in here doing between the leg dunks, oh. East Bay Funk from Isaiah oh, babe, Ryder. They're, base, they're acting, they're trying to do like, uh, like they're in the NBA slam yes. dunk contest. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's, it's an amazing thing to watch. And, you know, and then you also got other people too, in, in, like I said, in youth sports that are doing these AAU teams and they're just not talented enough, but they pay the money. And at the end of the day, 
it's somewhat like a business and you got to provide a service. So sometimes those kids get out there and they play and they're just like sacrificial lambs. Yeah. But I, I really don't think that, I don't know what to say that the, the, what the issue here is the, what does how to solve it. Do I think they play a lot of games? Yeah. But how are you going to get better? Exactly. You, you got to play and kids don't play at the the playground anymore. Kids, yeah. kids don't play at the, the local rec center anymore. The only way you're going to get a kid nowadays to play is if they go and they form up on a team during the summer and they go and they do travel ball. And and we don't have the statistics now, but, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I used to play hours of basketball. Now, eventually, I you know, I tore my ACL at 33 years old. You know, that was later on down the road after many, many years and, and many, many games. I think the article, though – is basically I think it's more about kids specializing in playing a lot of games than more or less than just playing a bunch of games because like I said some of the athletes that play different sports and work different muscles or rested the other muscles for basketball didn't really have these were not really injury prone yeah I mean I mean kind of kind of reference what you said with uh, playing multiple sports I want to Reference somebody who was a three-sport athlete when he was in high school, Bryce Windham from St. Mary's Catholic Central, and he—he, he, I mean, he played football. He was a point guard in basketball. Played baseball as well. I mean, ba- I mean, when he got to college, played at Old. He went to Old Dominion, played baseball, and he all—he mm-hmm. all, he actually almost went to Toledo to play basketball, but he decided he wanted to play baseball. Mm-hmm. And he he kind of had to switch positions around, I and mean, he had to play catcher and center field. I think he mm-hmm. played some infield as well, and he ended up getting drafted by the Chicago Cubs. And he's currently in the he's currently playing uh, in uh, Arizona right now, mm-hmm. uh, in like some development league for them. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, yeah. but I mean again, it goes back to and of course I think they said where. Like how many how many of the first round picks in the NFL draft were multi sport athletes in high school? A I mean, lot. I mean, I don't know if David's got that number memorized. I know I said, I know it was an overwhelming majority. Yeah, not off the top of my head, but yeah, there are definitely at least you know a couple that were either football, basketball, or football, baseball. Yeah, I mean, I some... mean, even Kyler Murray was a two sport. Yeah, yeah, he, he was. was when he played I, baseball, yeah, a short guy. I know he wasn't. You know, I know he wasn't hooping. <laughs> Final thoughts, David. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting to kind of see with this data and this research, kind of how how these leagues, and more importantly, how these leagues can get to the parents and tell them, "Hey, we understand you want your kids to have this high profile and play all these tournaments and everything, but." That's not going to get your kid. Like the exposure is great, but at what cost are you kind of exposing your kid to all these tournaments around the clock? Like tell your kids to shut it down, rest a little bit, and like Zion Williams' parents, like we're going to limit you to how much how much tournament play you play, and in those you can fall out. But other than that, no, you're good. Well, the, I know the Division One just ended a couple of weeks ago, you know, because they 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 surround the, the live periods. I mean, if you were, t- I mean, you still when you're on the shoe circuit, 
having to play games and stuff. But like I said, I I don't. Now looking back on it, but then again, you can if you, if you start out in fourth grade, I guess that is a lot of games. Plus, you know, you have your regular season, so I, I think it's more of a cum- accumulation of high school season plus summer ball where you get a break. Now think about it though, in August. It's no contact month for, you know, especially people here in, in, in Ohio. And most times July is the last month for AAU. So they do get a break. Now, I mean, it's up to them if they want to take that break and, and they still try to hoop or they still try to um, do other sports like football or they still train, though. So, you know, that that could be, you know, a, a variable as well. Yeah. Well, in, I know in Michigan for like for uh, football and basketball when they do all their summer stuff like the the first week of july is usually the mandatory shutdown week where you can't you can't do anything or have any con- or coaches can't have contact with any players players as well i mean i mean pretty much if you well if you want if you feel the need that you're gonna have to get to work out you pretty much gotta do it on your own right oh, well that was good now we're gonna we're gonna take a quick commercial break and we got the NFL West, A- NFC, AFC, and NFC, NFC West. West. Right? Is that right? Oops. Audible. Yeah. Audible. So since you guys are both in the studio, we're going to do AFC West and NFC North. Why Wait. the change? Is this be David? Is this yeah, because you guys are both of both in studio? It, David, is this because of uh, a certain uh, certain prediction that was out by USA Today for all the teams? No, just that I just want to make fun of the Lions. <laughs> well, so. uh, da- oh, look, I, I'll uh, there. There are some thoughts I do have, but we'll again, David. I'm gonna let I'll let you preach. I'll give my input as well. I'm gonna see if I can find USA Today's. Oh, well, then we'll get into that. NFC North, or AKA the North Division, AKA formerly of the Central Division. Preview is coming up next. The NFC North, that is. Right, the NFC North, right. Yeah. Um, hopefully no one at me, uh, as you like to say on Twitter, to David, because he makes predictions. You know, Frank makes predictions on Twitter about high school football, and they come over there and almost try to slit his throat, like mafia style. Or make sure, you know what, we also learned out of that segment that you don't want to go to war with the Tony Montana of, of Dundee. Which is Frank Bashner. Don't go to war with him. No, <laughs> when we return, Christ on a cracker. Christ on a cracker. Yeah, one of those <laughs> after further review terms. When we return, NFC North preview.